The message that I have uh, is a little bit to do with and deal with the things that are going on in our country as we come toward, you know, Independence Day on July 4th. But really, the, the, the scripture that God gave me in this message of living in freedom, the scripture that he gave me was Galatians in chapter 5. And it's verse 1, and we'll read it a couple times maybe as we go through uh, this, this, this message. If, if you can't keep track of the notes and the things that are going on, you can get online and the notes will be there with the message this week. I gave them to Corey. You can put them up uh, after service with the message and you can get them off there. But Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ Jesus has made us free. Do we believe that we're free in Christ? I mean, that's probably where we need to start. We, we love the fact that, that we come to Christ and, and he sets us free. We, we believe that as we repent for our sins, he makes us brand new, that he changes our life, and that, that we're not the same old, crusty, nasty sinner that we used to be, but he has changed us. And if we think about it in terms of being held captive by the enemy until we come to Christ, then that coming to Christ would mean that we enter into his freedom. And it goes on, though, and it says, don't just believe that you have freedom. Don't just get excited about the liberty that you have in Christ as he's made you free. It goes on from there, though, and then gives us a little second part to this verse and says, and do not be entangled, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You've done this with your own children at different times. Maybe they've made a mistake and you've corrected them. Either they've repented or you've told them because they're wrong they must repent or whatever happened at that moment. You said, okay, now everything's all right. Now go and don't do that again. Right? I mean, don't do it again. But just like little kids, you know, they sometimes will. Rachel was a little bit more obstinate than Daniel was. She would just smile and look at you and you would paddle her on the behind and say, don't do that. And she would just look at us and say, okay. Until we turned around, then she would do it again. And she was a little bit more that way maybe than Daniel. Uh, I, I appreciate that tenacity now when it goes in the correct direction. But, you know, we sometimes as believers, as Christ has taken us out of bondage and placed us in great freedom, we, 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 for some reason in our lives, we, we, ha- we tend to vacillate back and forth between bondage and freedom. This country is the same way. We can say we have great freedom in this country. We have freedom of religion and freedom of all those things, freedom to speak what we want to speak and the Bill of Rights and all of that. But I am telling you, if we don't, as the church, as the people who make up this church, stand for the Word of God and the freedom that Jesus has given us, we are going to lose not just our freedom in our own lives, not just the freedom in the church, but we will begin to lose the freedom in this country that so many people have fought for and that Jesus Christ really ultimately died for that freedom. You begin to lose it. It begins to slip away. Oh, I don't know if that can happen. Well, think about it in your own life. How often have we, like our own children, kind of vacillated back and forth? Even though mom said, don't do it, even though we we, we asked forgiveness and, and we were forgiven and things are okay, how many times did we end up back in that same mess? We may not have got caught that second or third or fourth time like we did the first time, or maybe we did. But that didn't matter. We still went back into that same thing. And, and there, there's a cycle that comes with this freedom that, that takes us from, from bondage to freedom. And then if you follow civilizations, if you, if you follow people groups, it happens all the time. Some people say this is a cycle of democracy and bondage. But it's this idea that people get free and then they begin to prosper and then they begin to go downhill and they find themselves back in bondage. 
You can watch the children of Israel if you want to see in the Bible. You can see them kind of go through this cycle a little bit as they, as they followed the Lord and as they followed after his statutes and his law and they did what was right before him. They were blessed by God, but as they began to get cantankerous and go a different direction and do something different, they began to fall away and they ended up and found themselves in trouble all the time. It was a cycle. And in our life, it works this way. And I believe really in our country, we're starting to see some of this happen. This cycle of bondage and deliverance or bondage and faith goes from bondage to faith and from faith to courage, from courage to liberty and freedom, and then that leads to abundance. And in this country, we have, we have been a country of great abundance for a long time. We've, we've had abundance financially. We've had abundance intellectually. We've had abundance industrially. We've had abundance in all kinds of areas in this country. But if you go back to the beginning of this country, this country was founded and many of the documents were, were based on the Word of God and Scripture. People who were elected into different offices, people who ruled as judges, those kind of folks, they came out of a Christian background and they came out of a heart to serve God, to love their Lord, and to live the Word. And then through that, you began to see the abundance. The abundance comes after the living of the Word. But I'll tell you, the bondage comes after not living the Word. And somewhere between then and now, this country has gone away from that. Many of the leaders don't serve the Lord. They may say they're this particular faith or that particular faith, but their actions may not line up. They may say they're a believer or a Christian. You see that documents are being changed. Freedoms are being not taken away on paper, but taken away in deed and in action. You can barely stand up and pray for something in public, yet somebody else can do it of another religion and not have any problem. Well, how does that work? How is that freedom of religion? And I'm all for freedom of religion. You come to this country, you can worship however you want to. Just don't encroach on my ability to worship and to share what I believe is true. If we're not careful in this country because we don't put the word of God first place, and I'm not talking about just on Capitol Hill. As the church goes, so goes the government. But as the people of the church go, so go the church. So if you follow that logical thinking then, As the people who believe to be Christians, to profess to be Christians, as you go in your lives and as I go in my life, so goes the government in the country. That's a little daunting. And you say, well, that's not me. Well, I I don't want to say that's you, and I'm not going to point fingers and do these kind of things. But listen, we all struggle with this thing that goes from freedom to bondage, and where are we on this cycle? See, it went from bondage to spiritual faith. You become enlightened to the word of God. That becomes then from faith to great courage and great courage to freedom and to abundance. But then from that abundance, the next part of that is complacency. And our country became complacent somewhere in there in those years. And then from that complacency, that leads to apathy. And from the apathy, you you become dependent. We're only supposed to be dependent on the word of God. We're not supposed to be dependent truly on our government to provide for us. God is the one who provides for us and takes care of us. He is the one who makes our way. We're not dependent upon our job. We're not dependent upon another person. We're dependent upon Christ and the word. And then from that dependency, that leads directly to bondage. And in our lives, when this scripture, this this scripture in Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, when I saw that, not just stand fast in the liberty, but the last part that says, do not be entangled again. Do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. 
The way for us to continue in freedom, not just in our lives but in this country, is for the body of Christ to rise up. Not just proclaiming to believe the word, but living the truth of that word in our daily lives. Follow this. In your life, you know there was a moment, maybe it's today, maybe it's right now, where you were purposely putting the word to practice in your life. You were on your knees before Christ, you were following after him, you were getting a revelation of the word daily and weekly, and you were, you were growing in the things that he had for you, you were, you were getting new knowledge and new understanding of the truth that's represented in there, you were putting him first in your life, you were going after the things that he had for you to go after, and was there any bondage there? Nope, that's usually where we receive and where we live in the most freedom. But then there have been moments in our life where maybe we've stopped thinking about that particular passage. See, the devil comes, if you look in Mark, and you can turn there and we'll read this in a second. In Mark chapter 4, the enemy comes. The enemy comes to steal the word. He doesn't come to plant necessarily a new thought. He comes to change the thought that you have. Maybe it's a financial issue that you face. He begins to question you on your giving he begins to question you in the area of tithing. And, do, and we don't say that it's wrong. We just start thinking, is it really right? See, he doesn't necessarily sly. He's crafty. He doesn't necessarily get you convinced that it's wrong. He just gets you confused whether or not it's right. Maybe it's an issue in your health and something has come. The enemy doesn't necessarily attack you and say you're going to die. He just attacks you and says, is it really true that he wants to heal you? He begins to steal and to take from you the word. And in our country, if you go back and you begin to study and you look through the last bunch of about 50 years, 60 years, the one thing that the enemy has fought so hard to take out of our government, to take out of our schools, to take out of our daily public lives is the word. Why is that? Because the truth is in the word. Freedom is in the word. And so you see the Ten Commandments being taken down. You see, the, you see the opportunity to pray at different public events being taken away. Piece by piece, little by little, just, just erasing little pieces of the Word anywhere that it's written. Now it's all done in this idea and this thought and in this, in this direction of we just want to make it okay for everybody. Very socialistic. Very socialistic in that thinking. And we have to be careful. That's not the direction that this country was, was headed originally. See, there is truth. There is standard. There is right. There is wrong. If you begin to go that socialistic direction with one thing, what stops you from going that direction with another thing? Eventually, there won't be any laws. There will be a lawless society. And all of the, all of the abundance and the freedom that, that we have lived in all of these years will begin to erode and begin to crumble. It happens. Because the devil comes to steal the word. And if he can steal the word, he begins to steal from you the truth. And the truth is the only thing that keeps you and the only thing that keeps me free. You're only as free as your revelation of the truth that's in the word of God. And that revelation, that truth, that abiding in him, that's a process. That's not a one-time thing. That's a lifestyle. That's a saying, okay, God, I don't just know your word's true because Pastor John said so. I know that word's true because it's in my heart. And I'm living it. And I'm following it. And I'm purposing in my life, in my family's life, to go the direction that your word says. That I'm not going to go back. 
If you go to Mark and you begin to read that passage in chapter, chapter 4, verse 15, as you read there and you look there, it talks about, these are the ones, it says, who were sown by the wayside where the word was. Or sorry, the word was sown by the wayside. And when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away what? The word. See, he doesn't steal your bulletin. He doesn't go after your tires. He goes after the word that's on the inside of your heart. There was a message that was preached on joy years ago. I think it was love or joy. And Pastor Bill was preaching it. And I was out back after the service, and this was years ago, and I don't remember what was going on, but I was doing something out here, talking to somebody, and they came and got me and said, they need you in the parking lot out front. Um, Elizabeth's been in an accident. Was it love or joy or peace? I don't know what it was. It was one of those loving the unlovely. Yes, it was. Not her. It was the person that she was in the accident with. But anyway, we got out. We got out front. Sure enough, every time you hear a word, you go outside. The devil wants to steal that word. And we like to say our parking lots are blessed, but there was an unlovely out there, and they had a little accident out there, and we got to share the love of God with the unlovely person. Nobody got upset. Everybody was calm except for the unlovely one. You get an opportunity to practice what's preached on Sunday somewhere during this week, usually before you leave the joint. (laughs) Because the devil comes to do what? Steal the word. Satan comes immediately, takes away that word. These likewise are also the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and when they have no root in themselves, they only endure for a certain time. And afterward, when tribulations or persecutions arise for the word's sake. See, we've become a society that's very uh, interested in self. We've become very interested in self-preservation. That even to the point of, you know what, if some bad things go on, if some direction of the government goes a certain way, as long as it doesn't affect me too much, as long as I'm still going to be all right, I might not say anything about it. I don't want to necessarily sacrifice for the word's sake. There was an opportunity a bunch of years ago where somebody was getting elected, and and, and I was talking to Pastor Bill, and I was much younger then, and uh, I said, you know, I'm not necessarily going to go vote for the guy, and I'm not necessarily for him, but I will say, if he gets elected into office, we would be all right and probably be better off financially. See, I I began to think about self and self-preservation. I didn't go out and vote for the guy or anything. I didn't carry a big sign and say, you know, vote for this dude. I, 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 just, I just didn't necessarily oppose him either because of his views of unrighteousness. I didn't even take those really into consideration. I just figured, well, whoever gets elected, I'm going to be all right. It's either going to be the good guy righteous-wise or it's going to be this other guy and I'm going to be okay financially. <laughs> That's not taking a stand for the word's sake. That's not taking a stand for freedom. That's not necessarily taking a stand for righteousness. Well, you didn't go help him. Yes, but I didn't oppose him either. And there is some of that. There is some spiritual opposition that we need to to put forth. There is a little. Otherwise, the enemy begins to steal the word. It goes on and it says, Now these are the ones who are sown among thorny stones or thorny ground. When they hear the word... The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the world, and it becomes unfruitful. Believers are living sometimes out of freedom and in bondage because of distraction, deception, and sometimes ignorance. We just don't know any better. But that ignorance, the only person we have to blame is is us. 
And I'm not saying all the wrongs in the government are your fault. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that either. I am just saying, just think about this, though. If we as a church struggle with freedom and bondage, if we as the body of Christ continually go back and forth into the same mistakes and the same sin and the same junk in our lives that we've been dealing with for the last four, five, sometimes six and ten years, how easy is it? How much easier have we made it for the enemy if we continue to fuddle around from freedom to bondage to get free, back to bondage to get free, back to bondage. And we can't figure out why our government isn't going the direction that it needs to go. Because those who are supposed to spiritually take charge in this country are struggling with Galatians 5.1. Enjoy your freedom, but please don't go back and be yoked up again with that bondage. See, Joshua 1, verses 8 and 9 As God began to speak to Joshua, he said, Keep the book of the law in your mouth, on your lips. Meditate it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that's written in it. Then it says you'll be prosperous and successful. See, why does Satan come after the word? Why does he come after that that thought? Why does he come after the thing that was preached on that Sunday morning to try to steal the truth of that word from you? Because it's that truth and that word that leads you to success and prosperity in your life. It's your revelation of that truth. It's your living it out in your daily life. It's that meditating and that speaking the word. And as we do that, it says we make our way prosperous and we have good success. So it's no wonder that the enemy hasn't come to steal the word in your life and to steal the word out of this country. You can go back and do all kinds of studies. And I'm not saying all the founding fathers were perfect guys. And I'm not saying they all did everything right. Neither did we. But their intention and their direction as they began to start this country. There's a book written by Bill Fetter, an, an Original Intent. I think that's Bill Fetter. Maybe somebody, is that Bill Fetter? Original Intent. Talking about the direction that this government, the direction that this country was started on. And it was to follow after the Word of God. The truth that's in the Word. And somewhere between that time and now, as I said before, it gets watered down in, 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 over time. But it's no different for you in your life than it is for this country. See, as go the church, so go the country. But as go the people of the church, so go the church, so go the country. And you may say, oh, I haven't backed down. Oh, that's fantastic. And, and some haven't. And some have continued to go. But the majority have become, because of the word's sake, maybe a little bit less likely to step out. Maybe through self-preservation, a little less likely to speak. Really, the idea and the whole thought is that we live Joshua 1.8 in our life. That we decide that, you know what, as a believer in this country, I am going to stand for righteousness and I am going to, in my life, live in the freedom that Jesus Christ has presented me. That I will refuse in my life to go back and forth and to waver between the goodness of God and His freedom and the bondage of sin and my disobedience. That I will put that stuff aside like it says in Galatians 5.1. That I will get rid of those thoughts and I will get rid of that past and I will get rid of the old me. I'm not saying that the enemy is not going to bring it across your path, that he's not going to try to tempt you in those areas. Because we have fallen in those areas previously, he will continue to come in those areas. But as you begin to shore those things up in your life, as you begin to say, no, I'm not going to go that direction more than you do, well, maybe now. As you begin to shore it up in that part of your life, you'll live in a freedom that you've always wanted and that that you've never quite been able to fully encompass yourself with. 
And then so will the next person and the next person and the next person. And as we band together or gather together in that freedom and following after the word of God that way in our heart, then all of a sudden what happens begins to change our churches, begins to change the grassroots of our community, begins to change our our state, begins to change our country. Well, that's not possible. That's how it all started. Yes, it is, I think, many times more difficult to turn something that's going the wrong direction than it is just to go out and buy a new ship. But we ain't got nowhere else to go. This is where God has planted us, and this is where God has put us in this country. We ain't going to go just take over somebody else. This is where we are. The ship may not be going the direction that we feel like it ought to, but we as the body of Christ can begin to change our own lives. And as we begin to change our own lives, then that process will eventually lead to the fact that our country begins to change. We will, feel, we will still face adversity. The enemy is still against us. He still wants to steal, kill, and to destroy. But we will be living the second part of John 10.10, 10, the abundant life that Christ promises us there. We'll be living that more in our life than we will be getting beat up by the enemy. There's a second part. It's that, man, live the word. You don't have to be in bondage. We don't have to as the body of Christ. See, this is a, diff- this is a different message if you're talking to the unbeliever. If you're talking to the person who doesn't know Christ and has wandered away and maybe finds himself in bondage, when you're talking to that person, the message is, hey, let me tell you what, man, there is a way out of this. When you're talking to the believer and you're talking to the person who's trying to follow God, but yet going back and forth and doing all kinds of crap, it's easy to say, hey, you don't have to be like that anymore. We all make those choices. As we mature in Christ, we all make those choices. And the level of maturity in your faith the growth, as we begin to talk over the next four weeks about stretching in our life, in faith and in giving and in service and these areas and these things. And we begin to talk about that. It's all about maturity in our revelation of the truth of the word because the truth takes us to freedom. Us in our lives not living the truth puts us in bondage. The Lord was always explicit with the children of Israel. I want to take you out of Egypt and I want to take you to the promised land. It's a short journey, just a few days. And because of their cantankerous spirit, their bad attitude, because of their disobedience, it took them years. And they lost a whole generation of people because they, they would not follow. They would not believe. They would not go after the thing that God had for them. It was just a short journey. I'm going to take you from Egypt, and I'm going to take you out of bondage, and I'm going to take you to the promised land where all of my goodness is for you. And it's no different for us. It's a short journey. On your knees, receive Christ, ask forgiveness. He'll change your life. He'll make you the old creature gone, and he'll make you brand new. But then when you go out that door, just like the children of Israel left Egypt that night, all excited and jumping up and down and carrying all the spoils of Egypt, they came out and they faced the Red Sea. And then they began to make bad decisions. They began to get cantankerous. They began to get upset. They began to yell at Moses. Then they began to think about Egypt. Don't think about Egypt. God was real explicit. Don't go back to Egypt. Solomon in 1 Kings. Pastor Pam's teaching a message on Wednesday nights. I would encourage you to get online and get it or come on the the Wednesday the 11th and hear the the next part of it. But but it's it's about unholy alliance and too much flesh. (laughs) Just say unholy alliance. uh, Too much flesh. uh, But really, truly, that's, that's where we end up. That's how we end up from freedom to bondage. We make unholy alliances. Solomon was a great guy headed in the right direction. I talked about it two weeks ago on Father's Day as we were going that way. But he made an unholy alliance with Pharaoh, king of where? 
Egypt. It was Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, and he made an unholy alliance and he married his daughter. God already said, don't, 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 marry, uh, don't marry foreign wives and sure don't go back to Egypt. And there were horses in there too and he did all three. Don't go back. You can't go back. God has brought you this far. Don't go back. He loves you and cares for you this much. So go forward in him. Too many times I let me down. Not God. But he's right there with me and he doesn't. He says, you don't have to let. Come on. You don't even have to let you down. I'm right here with you. Come on, let's go forward. There's a video I'm going to play. And it's it's just a video that depicts many of our lives, I think. And this message is somewhat about, I guess, our country and the direction that it's going. But it's more so about the body of Christ in the church and how we waver sometimes back and forth between a mess that we find ourselves in and, and the direction that we feel like we want to go. In Matthew, in chapter 12, and in Luke, in, in chapter 11, there's a, there's a story there about the enemy, the devil being cast out of a person and, and, and then coming back and wandering in the dry places and coming back to a place and saying, you know what, I'm going to come back and I'm going to bring all my brothers and it's going to be worse than it was before. And the only reason it's worse than it was before and the only reason this enemy has an opportunity to come back is because when, when, when there was a void there, when that freedom came in that moment, when the enemy was gone, there was nothing that filled that void that was good. When you're free in Christ, when he begins to change your life, when he takes that junk and he separates you from it, there's a, there's a void, there's a vacuum in your heart and in your life. And if you don't fill that void and you don't fill that vacuum, vacuum with the word of God, eventually that will be filled up by the things of the enemy. You repel the enemy by believing and living the word, by proclaiming it as truth, by getting a revelation of the truths that are written in it. That's how you repel the enemy. It says, submit to God in James 4. Submit to God, resist the enemy, and he will flee. Your submission to God, that's not just something you say, I submit to you. That's a, that's a, that's a saying, that's, a, that's, a, that's an oath that you're making before God saying, and I'm going to purpose in my heart to live for you. I'm going to purpose in my heart to learn your word, to understand it, and to know it. I'm going to purpose in my heart to be led by your spirit and make the right decisions in my life. Now as I resist the enemy because I filled that void and I filled that vacuum with the word, there is hope for you. Every time I leave church, I feel better about myself. But then about four days, man, I'm all messed up and I'm doing the same wrong things again. You don't have to. Fill the void with his goodness. Fill the void with his word. You've known folks who have gotten saved and got set free and really started to change their life, started to devour the word and started to live according to the promises that are in here. But then somewhere along the way, they just stopped. Usually what happens is we self-diagnose ourselves as being okay. I'm good now. Right? I, I'm good. But if you go back to that cycle of bondage to freedom and back, somewhere along there becomes complacent and apathy. Somewhere in our life, spiritually, we get to that point and we say, man, I'm good. I'm all right. Well, you're who you are and why and how you got this way is because you put the word first place in your life. Don't put it second for a while. Because you'll slip back into that place that quick. That's what that word is saying in John or in Matthew and in Luke. It's saying be careful with what you do with it because you'll end up back in that spot. It'll be worse than when you started. And you know people who've been through that. You've seen that. You've seen it happen in people's lives. But in Luke chapter 4 it says Jesus came to set us free. 
It says that he came into this world in verses 18 and 19 of Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord Jesus said is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. And then this verse that says to set the oppressed free. He opens up the prison doors and just sets you free. You don't deserve that freedom. I don't deserve that freedom. I have lived in sin and I have messed up. Yet he comes in and he says, you know what? It's okay. You're better than that. You're going to be all right. Here's your freedom. Now let's go forward together and let's live in this freedom. Don't go off on your own. But go off with him. Because it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. Go with him. That says to me, if I go off in my own, then I'm going to take my chances with bondage. See, and in this country, we've decided to go off on our own, to trust people in their own natural mind to make decisions for us. And where has that got us? Teetering on the edge of bondage. We are dependent upon a lot of people for a lot of stuff. We could end up very quickly in bondage in this, co- in this country. Very quickly. If we don't pay attention. But. But. If we as the folks. Who follow Christ. If we put to practice his word. If we begin to take it seriously. If we begin to, to get a revelation of the truth that's in there. If we begin to live differently. If we decide that you know what. I'm not going back to Egypt again. This is my day. And then start going forward that way. Begin to change things. Change things in your own life. In your own home. Change things in your own community, in your own area. Begin to change things in your state, in your region, in your country. It happens. It can happen. But you've got to believe that God is bigger than your problem. He's bigger than your situation. He's bigger than your mistake. And He is. You don't have to be in bondage. There's freedom. A lot of the times you see those folks they are looking at the picture of themselves that they don't like. Stop looking at the picture of yourself you don't like. That's not who he made you to be. That's not who he created you to be. He created you to be that other person. So there's an opportunity for each one of us for him to take that new picture of our life. At the end, she stands there with her camera and she takes a picture. What picture do you want to see of you? John 8, verses 31 and 32. It's real simple. Jesus says, if you abide in me, I abide in you. And you'll know the truth. And then he says in verse 32, And that truth will make you free. And then in the end there, verse 36, he goes on and he says, And if the Son of God sets you free, you're free indeed. You're free today. If you know Jesus Christ, He's Lord of your life, and you just simply step away from that other stuff. Too many people sit in the cage with the door wide open, held up by pride and bitterness and all these things. Let Him lead you into freedom today. Amen. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. 
I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.